Celtics Reddit Podcast. It's Wayne Spoonie here with my guy from the other side of the world. No, not Ben. The other guy from the other side of the world. No, not Jackson or Joe. It's Jake Eisenberg. How you doing, Jake? I'm good, mate. Instead of doing the job they pay me to do, I'm here talking hoops with you <laughs> on Tuesday morning, and hopefully none of my bosses become Celtics fans anytime soon. <laughs> How are you, mate? <laughs> that is... <laughs> hey, man, if they're going to sub, uh, we might have yeah. to bite that bullet and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. uh, doing good, dude. I'm doing good. My kid's got COVID, but other than that, he's totally fine. He's just good a little runny nose. So we were... Jake had lined up a guest for us, Evan Damerel from Locked on Cavs. Unfortunately... He said on Twitter his computer took a bath. I th- I don't know if that's a euphemism or he <laughs> actually got very wet. He couldn't make it, no fault of his own. So we're audibling here. We're just going to do a, a old school Reddit rundown that the boys used to do well before I joined uh, the podcast. So I say you want to just jump right into it, Jake? Yeah, man, let's in. All right. So the first post here is from user OKReporter3535. And it's titled Tatum versus Mello. Uh, so basically, he said he was reading blogs at the beginning of the season saying Tatum is basically the second coming of Carmelo Anthony. And he wanted to check again after this season. So he cites a stat. Career playoff starts. Carmelo Anthony, 77. Jason Tatum. Jake, do you have a guess for how many playoff games Jason Tatum has started? Um, I actually... I- He's got to be close to like the the seventies. No, no, not that high. Like mid sixties. No, no, you're no, oh. you were on it, dude. Seventy four. Oh, okay, yeah, far out. Seventy four. So yeah, he, yeah. So at the age of twenty four years old, Tatum has only started three less playoff games than Car- Carmelo Anthony. And if you remember, I believe Melo took the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals in his rookie year. Um, so basically. I do see some similarities with the Tatum and Carmelo. I mean, it's a little kind of feels offensive, but if you look, Carmelo was an absolute all NBA player in his prime. Um, you know, he did win a lot when he it wherever he was. So, Jake, what are your initial impressions? Like, how are you feeling when you hear Tatum yeah. versus Carmelo Anthony? I, th- I mean, it's got to be a compliment, right? Like, he's what. He's top 10 scorer all time. One of the best scorers of, of, of all time, no question. I, I feel like those comparisons happened pretty early on in, in Tatum's career. And now... Definitely. Yeah, and I, I don't think that uh, Tatum's scoring was able to get to a level that it could have early just because he wasn't given the keys like Carmelo was. Like, Tatum wasn't really the true number one until last season, once Kemba was gone, and obviously he took over um, in the bubble, but that was when he finally now the scoring numbers tick up. Like Melo was averaging twenty seven a game in his third year, and so that's that's why <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absurd, outrageous, and and obviously that's why he's been able to get yeah. to top ten all time scoring, um, and then, and maybe you still give. Mellow the the scoring edge at this point and the way they do it, Tatum, you know, 
has probably the modern version. Like Melo took a lot of those deep twos, which Tatum has kind of turned into the threes. Um, but I would say the biggest separator, I think, when it comes down to who's going to be ranked higher all time is going to be what Tatum does on the other end of the floor. Um, I feel like Melo... You, you, I mean, you're the mellow game. You can probably fill in here, but um, never got a great defensive reputation. There's maybe a moment there late. <laughs> no, for good reason. Yeah, yeah, versus Tatum's getting all defensive votes. So that's probably the biggest, the biggest difference. But it's a compliment, no question. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think people say it in a derogatory way, and I think that's probably coming from younger fans who just remember old Carmelo who <laughs> – jacked up a bunch of shots that didn't go in anymore and also still played really poor defense. (laughs) I think he's probably a little underrated overall and on defense now, but Mello was Tatum's an incredible defensive player and Mello was just never that. I think the, what's kind of weird is I I think if Tatum and Carmelo played one-on-one Carmelo would win. But I think if you're constructing a team in that context, I'd rather have Tatum, if that makes sense. It's yeah. like, would you rather have, I don't know, like Lou Williams or Jason Kidd, right? Obviously Jason Kidd, but if they play one-on-one, <laughs> Lou Williams is probably going to bust his ass, you know what I mean? Because he's just that flat-out pure scorer. So I, I think what Tatum brings, because Mello was never a great three-point shooter, Tatum is already, other than last year, an elite three-point shooter. Um, I will say playmaking was- is where I really see the similarities okay. there because Mello always got killed from not passing too much. And I think if you're going to have any uh, Tatum's come a long way and I think he will pass and be a much better playmaker than Carmelo. But early on, I think he's really had to like beat that out of his game. Uh, and Mello just never did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just looking at the numbers, right? Like Mello never averaged more than four assists a game. Right. And I think what Tatum got to right. just about five or five and a Half this year, um, something like that. Four four, four, this, four year. this year. Four, okay, four. so he's now officially four, hit four. Mello's career high for assists, um, and I and I think yeah, right. and and I think the Tatum's assists went up in the playoffs as well. I think he got to six per game, and so um, mm-hmm. and I only see that getting better. Like, and, and maybe that's another difference between the two. Mello was Mello unapologetically for his entire career and 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 yes. Tatum's been very very yeah yeah which works for him and he's going to be remembered glowingly by people like yourself um but yeah I think Tatum's willingness to grow and change is 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 a staple of incre- the, the elite 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 players players that can get into some pretty rarefied air because like that second year for Tatum where he took a lot of those long twos. Well, in that season was an absolute schmuzzle for many reasons, but part of it was Tatum's shot diet yeah. and <laughs> and him trying to figure all that stuff out as a second year player. Um, and then comes back the next year, and we we see the the step back threes, and he's turned all of those long twos into threes. Um, improves his defense, improving the playmaking. So um, yeah, I think maybe underrated playmaker Mello, but I think Tatum's probably pretty close to where. Mello was at his ceiling and Tatum's only just started to kind of get the keys to the playmaking car. One thing I'll say is that Tatum you, and you hit on it. We, I don't think we talk enough about or give enough credit to both Tatum and Jalen about how much they are willing to be coached and learn. And ch- like Jason Tatum was a mid range assassin coming out of high school. 
And for the most part, that's what he did at Duke as well. And there's guys who are just like, no, I'm either doing this my way or I'm not doing this at all. And like, look at Allen Iverson, man. Like he was that guy to a T and he washed out of the league by the time he was like 30, uh, 31, because he wouldn't change. And, and Mello finally changed. But by that time he was completely washed. Uh, so yeah. I think like that, to your point, that just bodes so well for Tatum's future as an elite top tier, top five type of player. And something maybe do you feel like I feel like that's not discussed all that often. No, what's the idea that he can be a top five player or that he is coachable? How coachable he is and how really like humble he is about being willing. to. It drives me fucking crazy, dude. Like. I swear we've get we get more reports about um Jason being selfish like that when that shit came out the middle of last season when or early season where the Celtics were sputtering Tatum wants to win on his own terms yada 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 when every step of the way he's tried to yep yeah, change his shot diet become a better playmaker or try really hard on defense do things that he wasn't oh my defend. god how many how many yeah. guys don't defend like the like like the elite offensive guys that don't that don't defend so many of them um and and Jalen's the same as well like i mean Jalen like still blows me away the fact that how far he's come from those first couple of years like the the most low maintenance superstars there is like the, the most we get is Jalen liking a tweet about Celtics fans disrespecting him which Kind of fair, and that's it. But all, but on the court, it's just he just yeah. turns up and gives you gives you twenty five every night, and is one of the best playoff performers in in the league. So yeah, completely under discussed at how low maintenance and how willing they are to get better every season. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. Um, and on that, I think let's jump to this next Reddit post we've got here <laughs> from user actually a robot sure. S-H-H. Uh, so the, he poses the question, which I think kind of an interesting one. Who would you pick for this team's captain? Uh, and then he kind of goes on to say, he recalls at the beginning of last season, uh, Ime being high on Smart and Horford, mm-hmm. and he would pick Marcus Smart. So, Jake, who would you pick as the team captain? Because I think you could make an argument for a few guys. Yeah, you can make an argument for a few guys. Um I would not choose either Jalen or Jason just because I'm, I just don't want to create any more fake news for the media to write stories about, oh, yeah. Jason's the captain. What does this mean for Jalen and vice versa? <laughs> um, and that being said, neither of those guys are like, again, another thing that they've gotten, gotten better at, especially this year, which Udoka challenged them on was becoming more vocal leaders, um, which she, they definitely yeah. took strides in this year, which they've talked about and, and the other guys on the team have talked about. Um, but that's just not their natural, their natural personality. It's, it's, to me, it's smart. And that's my number one choice. You can give it to Horford, but uh, I think just as he's kind of aging out, um, over the next few years, it'd be good to give it to Smart. Now, um, I feel like Grant, you could could be a passing of the torch in a in a few years. Like I feel <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Smart. Right, I mean the heart and soul of the team for for years now. He he, whenever there's a little bit of an energy issue, he's the one bringing bringing the juice. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, he symbolizes what Celtics fans think of Boston Celtics basketball, right? And so, um, yeah, give it to Smart. What do you reckon? Okay, I agree that he symbolizes what we all think about when we think about Boston Celtics basketball. Here's my one concern about Smart. (laughs) He has punched a picture frame and hurt his hand not that long ago. Uh, I mean, he's kind of a wild card. Like, his teammates need, on several occasions a year, need to calm him (laughs) down on the court and get him wrangled in. Like, I love Smart. I think, like, 95% of the time he'd be an incredible team captain. But also, I think, like... Do you want your captain to be that dude who's like going after like the other team? I mean, maybe you do. So I just kind of, t- I would be fine fair, with fair, smart. Fair. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't know about, yeah, but I think I would probably give it to Big Al uh, and almost like a Udonis Haslam type role mm. as he ages. I mean, I think he's, he is uh, sort of like Tatum and Brown in that he's not, I don't know if he's the most vocal leader, but it seems like when he came back this year, he became that more. He's probably just more comfortable, yeah. probably knows like this is it for me. So I bet like I'm just going to do what I have to do, whether that's lead or step aside. So I, I would go with Big Al. Mm. I think that would be probably the most neutral. Like no one could be mad if you pick Al. Hor- I don't no. even think Smart would be mad if you pick Al Horford. I could see some people being like, really? Fucking Smart? Come on. <laughs> Come on, dude. Um, I, on the Grant Williams suggestion, Jake, you cannot have the guy everyone makes fun of uh, be the team captain. That's just not possible, dude. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. And I, 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 I do like the Al Horford piece of that where, like, if, if it was given to Al, no one on the team would would feel a certain way about it. It would be all positive. It's like every word out of everyone's mouth all year was incredibly positive about Horford and how could it not be for so many reasons. And maybe uh, instead of passing the torch to Grant, what the, there could be potential for, I think, and this is this is early, obviously, is, is Brogdon, I think. Obviously, he hasn't played a single game for the Celtics yet, but another, you know, president of the the association, every word out of that guy's mouth, it's like so Obama-esque. He's, he's incredibly thoughtful and well-spoken, similar, similar to Jalen in that, in that respect as well, which we've talked about. But um, I think he's got a lot of captain qualities. So maybe once Al transitions out, you know, I personally hope that we sign out to a PJ Tucker deal after the next offseason. So maybe once that ends, Same. we can hand the torch once, you know, um, we get, Brogdon into the system and he gets on the TV 12 method and all that kind of stuff. And, um, he's, his body's right. And he becomes <laughs> that the late season, the late career, uh, revival with his body. I could see maybe that, uh, situation happening as well. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one because I, I do think Brogdon was definitely a leader on that Virginia team, uh, for better or worse. He was a leader on the Pacers. I, so, I got I got two questions I want to pose to you, Jake. Mm. One, if you had to give it to a J, which one would you pick? And two, who would be the most hilarious pick for team captain? <laughs> okay. Um, so I also start with the J. Uh, I think I would give it to Jalen. I th- I just I just think that. Yeah, again, his his thoughtfulness and his cerebral nature, like he really does care about connection and 
and people. And I think the way that his social justice work and activism bleeds in would bleed naturally into being, like, he is a leader. Like he's a human leader. There's no, there's no doubt about that. So I think he would just be better suited to that. And then secondarily, um, just, you know, where, where this podcast is very te- pro team, keep Jalen or team, keep Jalen. And, if we give the Celtics, yeah, if we Celtics give him the captaincy, I feel like that's another um, you know feather in his cap for wanting to stay in in Boston, and so for that reason as well. And I just don't think Tatum cares that much about this stuff. Like he 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 cares about obviously like winning All NBA and winning championships, but this guy just likes playing basketball and like doesn't really like talking to the media and that that much. He's Pure Hooper is a is a term the NBA Twitter uses a lot. I think he likes to turn up and get buckets and and win games. That that's what he wants to do. I don't think he'd be that bothered by it personally. I I I I think ultimately I would probably agree with you that I'd probably give it to Jalen. But playing Deadville's advocate a little bit, Tatum is the best player on the team, right? So I think in that sense it does make sense. And then also, if you want to foster and turn Tatum in to the leader of the team, it's mm. almost like you're challenging him. Like, you're the captain now. Uh, unintentional meme right there. But <laughs> <laughs> he's the captain now. And you're almost like, you need to rise to the occasion and become a vocal leader and be the captain. So mm. I could see, and that feels like something Yudoka might do. Yeah. Um, so that would be, I think the argument for Tatum, but I think you're right. If we're just picking who would be the better captain tomorrow, I think it would pretty obviously be Jalen. So, um, all right. Who's your, who's your meme captain? I- <laughs> the vibes captain. We'll call him. Well, I, before, I obviously Grant Williams would clearly be a hilarious choice. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Grant would be a good choice. Um, Gallinari would be hilarious just for the Italian vibes. Oh, that was going to be my pick. <laughs> that was going to be my pick. Yeah, Gallo. Gallo, um, man, I feel like just just someone that doesn't play. Like I wish Malik Fitz was still here. I feel like he would have been a perfect. A perfect, a perfect captain. Um, so I guess who? Definitely. Yeah, um, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if there's a back of bench player that is quite as elite as, as Fitz or has proven to be as elite as Fitz yet. So, I mean, so that position's very much open. But yeah, Grant, Grant Gallo and um, to be determined end of bench player. Uh, what what about like what do you think Rob Williams' captaincy oh, would yeah. look like? <laughs> just like gentlemen, we're just gonna swat shots for the last yes. twenty minutes of practice into the stands. <laughs> I, I honestly, I honestly I think, think that would Rob, be fun. Yeah, I honestly think Rob would be a, a good captain. Like he's he's low key. Yeah, I do too. Uh, um. Like a, like another thoughtful guy. Like he, he a lot of he, you don't get as many podium games with Rob, but um, I remember uh, he had may have even been that Phoenix game where he got um, like to do the post game interviews where he had that was it a triple double or one of those crazy stat stuffing uh, Rob stat stats, lines? Yeah, yeah, that only like three guys in yeah. the league can do. And he just talks about how you know you know how important it is to stay together and bringing energy and I want to be this guy. And, 
And you see him in the off-season, like he's running these camps and talking a lot about how the ball's going to stop bouncing and what do you have left for you after basketball and, you know, one day my knees aren't going to work and things like that. I think I think he's underrated like he, because he's such a physical freak and he's very soft-spoken and we don't get to hear from him that much. You don't get to hear that side of him. But, yeah, to have the dude that's volleyball spiking everybody's shots with his elbows be your captain, I like that. Be kind of hype. Be kind of yeah. hype. <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. Oh, shit. All right. Gallo would be absolutely hilarious, <laughs> though. <laughs> he would be the best. Um, all right, man. Let's move on to uh, uh, another Reddit post here. So I think uh, maybe we'll go out on this one. Maybe we'll hit one more. We'll, we'll see where we're at for time. But uh, user Kevin Llama 21, barring any trades, he says MF serious injuries. I think he means or serious injuries. Mm. How many games do you predict will win next season? And he had a poll up. Um, so five. So the two answers that people answered: second place was sixty plus wins. First place with a bullet, more than double, even second place was fifty to fifty nine, and then forty to forty nine was like nothing. And the same with under forty. So Jake, I don't want you to pick one of those bands. I want yeah. you to put a number on it. Give me a little reasoning. What are you thinking for our well, win? Yeah, well, the 50 to 59 band, I mean, that's a ridiculously large range, um, but I understand it's a poll, yes. so you have to choose something. But um, so the, the over under has moved from 55 and a half up to 56 and a half. So like to go over the Celtics are going to have to win 57 games. Yeah, it's a, that's a lot of games. Um, but I mean, if you're talking about no injuries for this team, like then yeah, I, 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 w- I would go 60 plus. Like if they, if they are completely healthy and like, you know, you get 60 plus from you, you, you go ahead. No, no serious injuries. Oh, right. So okay. yeah, I think you were about to hit on it, but yeah, let's think time Lord's probably around 60. Horford's probably around 65, something. Brogdon's probably around 60. Yeah. So let, let, so, but like, you know, Tatum's not blowing his knee out. Yeah, man. And like, yeah, that's, and you get 60 from Brogdon and stuff. Like I was rewatching the, um, the Brooklyn Nets game two uh, highlights and Pritchard like took over a playoff game and, and he's, he's yeah. r- right now getting zero minutes. So like if, if Brogdon or wide or someone goes down, like he's, he's plenty capable of being someone that can get you wins in the regular season. Same as Gallo. And um, so like these guys are, are legitimately like 10 plus deep and that's how you rack up wins in the regular season um knock on wood like every wood you have i mean tatum plays 80 games um unless he gets covid that's just how how many games he plays um and i think jalen now with a more positive offseason will get more get more rehab he's already doing underwater workouts etc but um you know the internal growth of jason jalen grant and rob like people when I'm, i'm trying to work on a video for this for for the good people at home but like these guys are all 25 and under and, and the internal growth is probably an underrated aspect of what we can see for this team. Um, and if Tatum just doesn't play, like if, it, if there's a scenario where Tatum just comes in and plays like as good as Tatum can play. And that's the reason they go to 60 plus that just that alone. That's where I would lean like 62. Oh, Baby, man, that is that I would be that would be a hell of a season, man. Sixty-two and twenty, you do, you do not see sixty-win seasons all that often, man. So I think uh, I'm I'm going to be a little more conservative. Although you've kind of like if we're assuming these guys are healthy, I, I 
would definitely go higher. Um, so I'm I'm probably thinking Vegas knows what they're doing. I've got us at like 56. So um, we I don't think we can maintain the pace that we were at in the second half of the season. I mean, that was like a 68 win pace. <laughs> yeah, at least <laughs> some insane pace like that. Yeah. So I, obviously, I don't think we can maintain that. I think we were at 51 this year. Hmm. So I like us to. You know, I, I think we're going to be very judicious with like doling out like eh, it's a back to back in Phoenix. We're traveling like the Jays are just sitting this game. They're just mm -hmm. not going to play. We don't care. You know, we're we've got we're in the top three easily. So uh, I'm going to go 56 wins if I had to venture a guess. So I guess that yeah. puts me under, yeah. which I feel bad about. But I don't know, man. Sixty-two is a lot of wins, Jake. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a question that might help guide this answer as well. How many games did the Spurs win the year after they lost to the Heat in the finals? Because that is an Udoka team. That's going to be the fuel for like all of Udoka's like ethos for the season. And I know they just kind of blitzed through the playoffs. But how many like regular season wins did they get? I know it was an older team as well, and the Spurs actually were the kind of um, the leaders in the load management era. So I don't know how I'm going to go back and find that, but 13, 14, 62 and 20. Oh, 2013, dude, 14 Spurs. That's, that's like almost like 20. you planned that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Yes. All right. Holy shit. All right. Ah, no, shit, man. You're really convincing me here, dude. <laughs> Uh, dude, I don't know. Um, I think, barring a worst case scenario, this team is this team is fucking loaded. To your point, like yeah. Pritchard can he was our third guard for times last year, and like he comes in, dude, he hits a couple threes and get to the rim. Dude. And against these bad teams, he is like yeah. legitimately better than like a lot of these like actual bad NBA players that teams like. Orlando um, and the Spurs are going to be trotting out there. One thing I will say, Jake, is that the East is really good, and there's a lot of really good teams in the East. So I, I think there might be nights where we just get caught. You know what I mean? Like the Cavs are hitting their shots, or, or you know, LaMelo's going off in Charlotte. So, uh, but that defense just gives you such a high floor that they're going to rack up some wins. But do you, are you like concerned that the East is so good atlanta reloaded like there's a lot of fucking good teams in the east yeah i mean i mean one thing i've learned today is that you're still high on the hornets we took speaking about them pretty no, i'm uh, not off, i'm off, not off air. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, not that high they're fine <laughs> and I, I, get, I get what you're saying i get what you're saying like um and greeny made a really good point when he was on it's like how much of the Celtics that can't handle success is still in there, right? Like, they it happened all yeah. the way through the playoffs. Like, how much of hearing that they're the favorites, hearing that they're going to, you know, be win 60-plus games, because the last time this happened, it didn't go very well, um, how much of that is going to bleed in? Because I, I would not be shocked if, like, the first five, ten games, it's like they are, like, 500 and they've they've like won one one lost one kind of like that and it's like and they have to kind of get themselves into gear again um but that being said 
Yudoka just calls them all losers and then they, they win. So, um, that seems to be, it seems to work. Um, yeah. So like the, the, the East is good and that's why I was excited to, and that's why we're doing this series to get all the other Eastern conference teams on. Um, but like, Oh yeah. yeah. Real quick, Jake. Um, I, well, let's, yeah. why don't, so like I said at the top, we were supposed to have Evan Damerill of Locked On Cavs on. So Jake, why don't we're, 30 minutes into the pod so yeah. uh, uh you know why don't you tell people what you want to do with this series here because i think it's a really cool idea and it's something i'm glad we're doing yeah so i thought it would be cool um to get basically uh, experts of all of the rival eastern conference teams on to talk about how they're feeling about their team going into next season the offseason how those teams view the celtics um how they match up etc basically getting the scouting report on all of the other conference teams because you just you're just never going to get the full story um unless you're a fan of that team or you're covering that team specifically like we we watch every game at least once not including all the highlights and looking through all the stats and that kind of stuff. Like we are Celtics experts and like, you just like, I, I went back and listened to some of the locked on Cavs stuff and um hearing, you know, about their draft pick who I didn't pay any attention to in summer league. Right. But you know, we were getting hyped up about burger on when they had a lottery pick that actually played well, who is going to play this season. So learning. And so, you know, maybe we, maybe we don't get surprised when we play the Cavs and OJ Abaji hits seven threes and we're not like, who the fuck is this guy? And how is he doing this to us? It's like, well, Cavs fans kind of expected this to happen. So that's kind of the idea with the series. Yeah. We, we don't know how many episodes we're going to get in. Hopefully we're going to go all the way up through the, um, the standings, um, Cavs, Hawks, Nets, Bulls, Raptors, Sixers, Bucks, Heat. Those are the kind of who we have. Maybe if we have time for like the Knicks or something, but yeah. Yeah, dude, I think it's going to be awesome. It's a really good idea. Um, it was all Jake. <laughs> just uh, to the extent there's any credit to dole out, it, it all should go to him. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it, to some of those teams like the Cavs, like the Hawks, where like the Bucks, the Heat, I feel like there are direct compet- competition, mm-hmm. so I pay a little more attention to them. Where you're right, like, yeah. if you asked me when we were jumping on who the Cavs draft pick was, it probably would have taken me a minute. Um, it's interesting, <laughs> yeah. it's Agbaji, because we, we had Matt Penny of the Game Theory pod on right after RJ Barrett hit that, like, crazy bank shot to beat us. So oh, he came on and we started talking about draft picks in the middle of the first <laughs> round because we were like, this season sucks. <laughs> Obviously, the turnaround happened right after. Um, and his favorite pick for the Celtics was Agbaji. So like he's a he's a straight up three and D player. He's gonna be helpful. They desperately need wings, the Cavs do. Yep. So I think it'll be really awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. So uh before we get out of here, Jake, you got any takes you want to get off? I know you haven't had a chance to talk about Von Lay and Kabokolo. <laughs> I don't know if you want to get some takes off on those two or we oh, can just man. get out of here, man. I mean, I mean that, that was also another reason for the series. It's like, I mean, I don't know how much we can talk about the, the, the third the third big man. Um, I guess my main takeaway more so than like specifically Von Lee and Kabokolo is like we spent that much time talking about all the big man options and Brad just goes in and, and brings in guys that are off the board. Uh, and that seems to just to be what happens with every move that Brad makes is that we don't see it coming, uh, which is outside of the Horford one. I feel like a lot of people kind of wanted to wanted to make that move, but outside of that, it's been very much off the board moves. Um, and, I, and I do like the the process of okay, 
revitalizing pedigree players as opposed to trying to squeeze the last of the juice out of the 35-year-old big men that are left. You know, maybe Kabokolo, Cabangelia, Vonley have a second, you know, in their mid-20s, like, have played, you know, have the potential to turn into something at least. So I like that. Yeah, and I'd say Cabs is 23 too, man. It oh, would man, not be yeah. unheard of for a 23-year-old big, yeah, for a 23-year-old big man to figure it out, especially a guy who's shown he can shoot it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely the highest on him, but everyone has heard me talk about Cabin Gallion. <laughs> so um, definitely keep an eye out for this series that uh, Jake is lining up with, uh, I think, the locked on, some locked-on folks, probably other folks uh, around yeah. the league. Uh, I just dropped a video on J.D. Davison. Please check that out. Jake, like he said, you're working on uh, some videos or a video about internal improvement. So we're going to keep the content coming yeah. despite this being the content dark ages right now. Um, so that's going to do it for this one. Jake, love your work, man. Appreciate it, man. Good to see you. See ya. Peace. Peace.